Good evening. We started in the previous shir. The halachas of Bishul shir Chazorah. We managed to start the halachas of shir. Shir means retaining a pot on the flame, on an open flame on Shabbos. You place a pot on a Friday. How can you keep that pot on the flame on Shabbos? What conditions are there to keeping the pot on the flame on Shabbos? And we discussed some of the parameters of Shahir and we'll try and finish up this week with the practical halakha and then move on to the halakhas of Chazorah, which means the halakhas of returning a pot to the flame on Shabbos. So just to run through quickly what we said, what we learned in the previous year. In the Beisam, in the Mishkan, the Malach the of Bishel was found in the, in the, in the area of dyeing, where they used to boil up the dyes on Shabbos, they boil up the dyes to dye the different materials of the different areas of the Mishkan that they were needed for and that is a Malacha of Bishel which is in the, in the Mishnah is quoted as a Malacha of Afiyah, baking cooking, baking, roasting all those go, go under the banner of Bishel Midrash Bonon there's areas where Minatayah there's no Bishel and yet Chazal said it's offered to do anything which looks like Bishel or to do anything that which is in part of the process of Bishel which might bring you to come and stoke the cold. And that's where the area of Shihir and Chazorah come into play. Shihir, Chazal said, retaining a pot on the fire, Chazal forbade because you might come to stoke the flame. And Chazorah is also because you looks like you're actually cooking. Replacing a pot on the fire gives the impression that you're doing an action of cooking. And that's the second area which we will learn later on in the Shihir, Be'ez Vashem. We went through some basic premises of Bishul, things which we will elaborate on in the coming Shurim, to place a food which is uncooked on a fire on Shabbos, that is the basic Malacha of Bishul, to place uncooked food inside a Kalirishim, that means a pot which was once on the fire and taken off the fire and is still hot, to place an uncooked food in that pot of water, would cook it, and that again would be Bishul Minatayah, to pour from a Kalirishim, for instance, onto an uncooked food, can sometimes be Bishul, etc., and Kalishanis and Kalishlishis have their own problems of Bishul as well. We will elaborate on those messages from the Kamishurim. We then went on to explain the different levels of food, the levels of cooking in food. When is a food cooked? When is it completely cooked? When is it partially cooked? Etc. And we, we went through a few different levels. The first one being food which is completely cooked. But some foods, when they're completely cooked, if you continue to cook them, they will improve, continue to improve, that's what we call Mistamag Vyafaloi, a food which, when you cook it, continue to cook it, after it's fully cooked, it's Mistamag Vyafaloi, an example of that would be a talent. Uh, there are some foods, when you continue to cook them, they digress, they are, disin- well, I don't know about disintegrate, they won't quite disintegrate, but they will, they will begin to, won't actually fully spoil, but they won't be as good as they are when they are just fully cooked. Um, an example of that we gave is probably roast chicken. If you over-roast the chicken, it begins to be mid stomach to shrivel, and it isn't good for it. We then, the, the next level down would be uh, fully cooked food, of course, which before you've got to the process of continuing to cooking it. Uh, uh, food which is partially cooked, which we said the level would be what Chazal called Kamako ben That's when it's cooked to the level that Mr. ben would have been prepared to eat. We take that on to be... A, Half cooked, some people take on to be a third cooked. So for the khumra we say, we say half cooked, a half cooked food. You then, we then have the level of an uncooked food, completely uncooked, and that's the food which is completely raw. And those are different levels, and different, at different times, some, some, some things will be, will be allowed, and some, some things will be 
forbidden, as we will see later on in the year. We then discussed the different types of fuels that there were found in the time of Chazal. There's the basic fuel, which is a wood, which when burnt would turn itself into a coal, and that would heat the food. We have woods which don't burn themselves into coal, which is rarely used for heating food. And then we have something which is just a, a fuel which retains, and that's uh, what the Chazal calls kash ugvava, heating with uh, straw, etc., things like that, which burn themselves out. That's just really a type of fuel that was used just to retain, to retain the heat, not to cook. Now, uh, uh, an example of a heat that turns itself into coal in modern day terms would be a, a normal gas stove, a normal stove that has a knob that you can raise the fire or decrease the flame. That, that would be an example of a fuel which is comparable to coal because coal has with it, a person when they cook with coal, they would have to stoke the coal all the time to keep the flame, uh, uh, to keep the coals alight, to get the flame rising a bit more, to, to improve the heat. You would have to stoke the coals, so that's equivalent to turning up the gas to make the flame a bit bigger. Again, if you wanted the, coals, the flame to be a bit less, you would take some of the coals away. That's equivalent to turning down the flame. Uh, a, and a fuel which would be equal to cast of rubber, which is a retaining heat, is uh, an English saltan hot plate, which doesn't cook, can only retain heat. It's just there to literally keep the food hot. That's equivalent to a heat which is cast of rubber. And we'll, we'll explain later on the shear the differences and how they affect the, the halakhs of shear and chazorah. Now, Chazal came along and said that it's forbidden in some circumstances to leave a pot of food on an open fire. To leave a pot of food on an open fire is forbidden, and we'll go through the different cases in a minute. It's forbidden to leave a pot of food on an open fire. However, if you would take the flame and you would be going for cotton, that means you would remove or cover the coals in, the, in this old-fashioned oven. You would take the coals out or cover them with earth. Then you are allowed to leave any type of pot on the flame. So the equivalent of a jar of cotton nowadays is a blech. A blech on top of a flame is you've covered the flame, and that's the equivalent to what Chazal called jar of cotton. Then, if you have a blech, you can leave anything, all different types of foods, whether they're cooked, not fully cooked, as long as you don't touch them, you just leave them on there, they are allowed to be kept on that flame over, over Shabbos. So when we talk about the Ishtar of Shahir, we are only discussing the halakhas of leaving a pot on an open flame. On an open flame, those are the halakhas of Shia. When is one allowed to leave a pot on an open flame and when not? An open flame means on top of the gas stove, inside an oven, in a slow cooker, on a hot plate which has adjustable heat which can cook. Any, any source of heat which is non-covered, and our permanent covering we will discuss at some, at some later point. A permanent covering is a big machlek if that's called a covering. So let's assume a permanent covering is not called a covering. That means all hot plates, slow cookers, etc., even though they have a permanent cover to them, they are still considered real open flames. All those, in order to be used without the problem of shihir, as we will go through the parameters in a minute, must have a blessed to be considered Dora for cotton. Now, when does Chazal say one can leave a pot on the flame? When, when do they say you can't? A food, a pot which is, got a, a food inside which is completely cooked. Completely cooked food, and if you would continue to cook it, it would, wouldn't be beneficial for the food. It would start shrinking, it would be my stomach very rarely. That type of pot, that type of pastel can be retained on an open fire, any open fire, without any worries. So a pot with a food which is my stomach very rarely is completely mutter, there is no isof shihir. If you have a pot of food which is fully cooked, and inside it you have raw food, raw food that takes some time to cook, and we will discuss again the parameters of this a bit later on in the shit, you put inside a piece of raw meat which will take a long time to cook and therefore there's no chance that you intend to eat this pot 
for Friday night meal, it's definitely going to be there for the Shabbos morning meal. Then again, or if you had a pot of just raw fruit, again, there's no issue to leave that pot on an open flame on Shabbos. That pot is, can be kept on an open flame without any issue at all. Because here we are not worried that you might come to stoke the, the coals, because you definitely have no intention to eat this food tonight. So you don't mind if it takes a long time for the food to cook. So, a fully cooked food, which is in the stomach virale, a type of food which has in it raw food that takes time to cook, are two types, two types of foods which can be kept on an open flame without any problems. A food which is not fully cooked, a food which is not fully cooked, it's already reached, even if it's reached the level of Michael ben but it's not fully cooked, that can't be kept on an open flame on Shabbos, so that would need a blech. The A food which is fully cooked, but the, the continuous cooking would improve the food, again, that shouldn't be kept on the open black. And this is the, what we explained last week. This is the first shitter in Shulchan Aruch. We'll explain the second shitter. This is really the ideal, as we'll see in a few minutes. But this is the first shitter in Shulchan Aruch, and this is where we got to last week. So it comes out, Mitzamek Varalei, fully cooked the Mitzamek Varalei, is completely mutter. Mitzamek Varalei, should not be kept without the black. Non-fully cooked food, should not be kept, kept without the black. Completely rare food, which will take time to cook, can be kept without the black. That's really where we got to at the end of the previous year. So, if you bear that in mind, let's move on to the second shift. And the reason why I'm telling you both is because they're both true lahalocha, and in different, different circumstances one should be machme, and in different circumstances one can be makal. The second view in the Shulchan Aruch is one which is much more lenient than the one we've just explained now. The one we've explained now says that all foods which will improve, and all foods which are not fully cooked, at whatever level, even if they are cooked, kemrach or benjusoy, they're already half cooked, but they're not fully cooked, should be placed only on a blech. The second view in the Shulchan Aruch is much more lenient, and that's as follows. Any pot which is already reached Kamacha Ben Jusoy, that's already reached halfway cooking, and the way you measure Kamacha Ben Jusoy is you would say an average food will take an hour to cook, the, the chicken will take an hour to roast, after half an hour you know you've reached Kamacha Ben Jusoy. Anything which is past the level of Kamacha Ben Jusoy can be kept on an open flame, according to the second view. It can be kept on an open flame, and we are not worried that you're going to stoke it, because it's already halfway there. Anything which has not quite reached Kamacha Ben Jusoy, that means it started cooking already, it's not completely raw, it started cooking, but hasn't reached yet the halfway mark, that's the only time you can't leave a pot on an open flame. Which really makes life a lot easier. So, we have two views in the Shulchan Aruch, one which is much more strict, one which is much more lenient. The strict one says that you always need a black for any food that would improve with continuous cooking. Any food which is not completely cooked, even if it's already past the halfway mark, you need a black. Anything else is mutter without a black. And the second view says everything's mutter except for something which is in between raw and the halfway mark. Now, the the Ramah, says that the second view is the correct view, and one doesn't have to be much more machmed than that. However, along comes down, please don't write anything yet, along comes the Mishnah Barur, and he says that the remark doesn't really mean what he says, and he doesn't quite mean that you can be makal, and ideally you really shouldn't be makal, unless you have to. So, taking the Mishnah Barur, the halacha, which is what the Menega Olim is, and that's what we do, one should, in a normal home situation, without any, ex- uh, uh, any extraordinary circumstances, anything out of the ordinary, you should be following the first view. So that means anything which is mistamic v'yafaloi, anything which, is, which continuous cooking improves it, or anything which is not fully cooked, should be placed on a blech. So a challenge in a slow cooker, uh, something on a hot plate which can cook, or which has a knob to, to uh, raise the heat, 
Anything like that, which the challenge is something which improves with continuous cooking, must be placed on a blech. In situations of dire need where a blech can't be found, etc., or a, a lack of oil shabbos for whatever reason it may be, I can't think of the scenarios, but they do come up, then one can be metal and allow even a challenge, anything like that, on an open flame as long as it's ready past the halfway mark. It's been cooked halfway, then you can remake it. But L'Chathena one should never remake it on anything without the black. And we will see, as we move further on into the shear, that the, the uses of the black are much, much more than just for retaining a pot on the fire. One needs the black when it comes to Chazor. Without, without the black, one can't do any Chazor at all. And we will see, so therefore, it's always advisable to have a black anyway. An ideal and electric slow cooker, if one really wants to get it right, should have an, a, a small black. Now, you have to be very careful with those because does it have a knob which can raise the heat? If it's an electric slow cooker that has no knob, then there's nothing to worry about. If it does have a knob, it has two settings, then, then ideally you should put a piece of silver foil underneath. In between the, the crock pot and the... And that's right. They just... If you tell us, if you got something completely raw in it, then you, then you don't have to. It might not cook before tomorrow morning, before Shabbos morning, that's all. No, definitely not. Covering the knob is a big chumrah. Do you also need to cover the knob? It's a big chumrah, and I didn't, didn't want to discuss it because it's a big chumrah, and there's no real need to cover the knob. Some person say that you should also cover the knob. Not good enough just to cover the fire, you should also cover the knob, but it's a chumrah. But just to cover the knob, that defeats the purpose of, of, of uh, a blech. No. No, that's really different now. Now, inside an oven is well, an open oven, which is mis- putting, uh, putting food in which is mistamic the offer, ideally you should also have a blech. Now, you can't really have a blech in an oven, so what they have in the in some people have invented, I've never actually seen one, but they say they have what's called an oven insert. Or place it inside a tray. You can, chicken is fine because chicken is in stomach virale, and chicken will, you don't want to overcook it. But ch- chicken you can place in the oven, oven without a blech, that's, that's not a problem at all. It's really those people that keep the challenge in the oven overnight that, that really have to worry. And then if you place it on another, then we will, we'll, as we go through the, the different halachas of Bishel, we'll see. You can place it inside another tray and that's fine. So are we clear in Hilchashir? We, we really have to move on to Chazar, which is much more complicated and probably more practical and more, ne- more necessary. Are we clear in Shia? Do we, are we clear what we are allowed to do what we are allowed to do with the others, and uh, at least clear enough to ask when necessary? Can we move on? Excellent. Sure, sure. If you left before Shabbos. Now, raw food, the, the leaving raw food is only food that will not be cooked very quickly. Now, lots of the Protestants discuss modern day cookers, where you put a, a piece of chicken or a piece of meat on and within half an hour it's really edible, then you can't really consider that raw and you can't say that you're definitely not going to eat it till tomorrow morning. You can put your meat on the, the flame before, just before Shabbos comes in and an hour later your, your meat is ready. So that doesn't really constitute raw food. Raw food is in a slow cooker, which will take a long time to cook, then that's fine. So that really will take a long time to cook and there's no problem. There's nothing wrong with having food cooked on Shabbos. There's absolutely nothing wrong. There, there, what's wrong is to cook on Shabbos. There's nothing wrong... No, there's nothing wrong for the food to be cooked on Shabbos. What's wrong is to cook on Shabbos. And cooking means to place on the fire, to, to um, a, a place a pot on, to place food in it, to, um, to stir it, etc. We will come when we learn how to visual what, what constitutes cooking. 
I'm a, in a slow cooker, then it's absolutely fine. You can put a single, a small piece of chicken, then the whole pot is fine. The whole thing can definitely, yes. Everything, everything can be wrong, yes. But beans itself will cook very quickly. So beans themselves, they won't? Oh, well, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. As long as it will take time, raw food which will take time to cook. A raw food that will take half an hour to cook is not considered... It's got to be raw that will take time. It's a few hours to cook. That means by the time you want to eat your Shabbos meal, the Friday night meal, it's still, it's still not edible. Leaving water on... Leaving water on the flame, on the fire... None whatsoever. Now, to leave water on a flame, here you have a different problem. To place water which is not fully cooked on a fire, it's not fully cooked, so then we have a problem of it's a shear. So if your kettle isn't completely, your urn's not completely boiled, you will have a problem to leave it on your open flame before Shabbos without a blech. With a blech we have no problems, but if you want to leave an urn on an open flame without a blech, and it's not fully cooked, you will have a problem. The only time you can leave your urn on an open flame is if the water is, has reached Yad Tzeleth's voice. Now Yad Tzeleth's voice varies in halacha. Uh, some take it the minimum shear is around about 43 degrees centigrade. The, the more stringent shear, which is the one which most pots can take on the Chumrah, is around about 80, between the 70s and the 80s degrees centigrade. So Yad Tzeleth's voice would mean that your water would have to be almost, or just before boiling point, before you can actually leave it on your flesh. So that's the most, without, on an open flame without a blech. The most difficult thing to leave on an open flame without a blech is water, unless it's fully cooked. If it's fully cooked, then it's, it's stomach, virale, the extra cooking of water does no, is, uh, is, uh, is for no advantage to anybody, it doesn't do the, 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 the water any good, so the extended cooking is with stomach, virale, and you can leave, uh, happily leave a blech, uh, happily leave a, an urn on an open flame. The, the method of testing Yad Tzeledesboy, again, differs in, in the Potskin. The word Yad Tzeledesboy literally means if you dip your finger in, would your finger burn? Now, the problem is that some people can cope with different, different levels of heat. Some modern Potskin like to say if you can touch the outside of the urn or the cup of water, whatever it may be, then you know it's not Yad Tzeledesboy. If you can't, then it's Yad Tzeledesboy. But again, that's difficult because some people can lift up boiling cups of water and some people just can't go anywhere near them. The, level, the, the test which is uh, foolproof, but I don't suggest anybody should do it, is water which would burn the stomach of a baby. That's called definitely Yad Tzeledis voice. But uh, that's something that's not advisable. The Benish Chai gives another criteria which is also quite useful. He says it's also not quite um, foolproof. Any water, any drink which is so hot that a person wouldn't drink it, and you can assume that's Yad Tzeledis voice. Once it's got to the level of heat where you are comfortable drinking it, and that's quite hot, because some people can drink quite hot water, quite hot coffees, um, that's really not Yad Tzeledis voice. So something which is really hot that a person couldn't drink, that's, that's the level of Yad Tzeledis voice. So we're talking about, you don't need to get your thermometers out on a Friday and, and dip it into your, into your urn. Something which is almost boiled is already Yad Tzeledis voice. Okay, so that takes us to the end of a person, that's, that's clear, to place your food on a flame on Shabbos, even on a flame which is covered, is a bishop minatoya. To place food on a flame which is uncooked, uncooked food on an open flame or a closed flame, wherever it is, but it's going to reach the level of 
cooking, you have to let this boy, that's an inhibition when I tell you that can't be done. To place cooked food on a fire should really be mutter, because something which is completely cooked, you have a rule, ain't bishel bishel. Once it's cooked, you should be able to place cooked food on a fire, and even if it's liquid. But if the liquid is hot, I should be able to place it on the fire. I'm not doing any exhibition. There should be no problem of placing the pot of cooked food back on the fire. The Hirakazal came along and said no. Even though it's fully cooked and there's no issue of bishel, there is a problem of what we call chazorah. Placing for the first time a pot of food on the fire is awesome. It looks like you're cooking, and even though you're not actually cooking, since it looks like you're cooking, Chazal said that's also. So now, what we have to work out is that the parameters are, we're trying to describe what's called placing a pot for the first time on the fire. The rule is it's got to be placing the pot for the first time on the fire. What's called placing for the first time? If the pot was on an hour before, and now it's not an hour, to re- replace it back on the fire, that would definitely be called for the first time. The fact that it was there an hour ago makes no difference to me. So we, we were trying to describe, and that's where all the rules of Chazor are trying to do, describe what's called placing a pot for the first time on a fire. Now the rules are quite complicated, so I will go through them stage by stage, but please don't hesitate to ask, they are quite numerous and quite complicated. No, no, because it's a shear. You're, you're leaving uncooked food on a, on a flame on Shabbos. No, if it's Yatsu, that's okay. Yeah, if it's Yatsu. I'm the Yatsu, she comes. It was just, uh, really something we discussed uh, quite openly in the shear. So uh, if it was something new, I would repeat it to you. It's, it's, it would just make us lose track again. Let's, let's start again. Placing, no problem. Placing food, uncooked food on a flame is an Isabishal. Returning food to a flame, returning cooked food to a flame, should really be mutter. But Chazal said, if it's returning for the first time, if you can consider this placing of this pot back on the flame, a new replacement of well, wrong word, a new placing of the pot on the flame, then that that looks like you're cooking, and Chazal said that's offer. Even if it's fully cooked, fully, fully cooked. If it wasn't fully cooked, there would be an isaminatory to place to put on. Anything which is not fully cooked is out of the question. We'll see in a minute. On the black as well. So the first rule is, as you said, anything which is not fully cooked, and that really means fully cooked, it's got to be above the for water and fully cooked for a food. Anything which is not reached that level cannot be placed on a flame on Shabbos at all. I mean, it's never reached that level. It's never reached the level of being fully cooked. It's not reached the level of the Yat ever. Can never be placed on a flame on Shabbos. If one does, one's entering into a real socket of. It's a bishop and a prayer, and it's a stealer, that, that is out of the question. So the, the halakhah of Chazar starts at the food which is completely cooked, and water which is hot, which is still hot. To, to place on an open flame, to place a pot of food on an open flame, even if the pot of food is fully cooked, is completely out of the question. So you can never return uncooked food, or partially cooked food, you can never return even fully cooked food onto an open flame. That's out of the question. And thirdly, food which, even if it was once cooked, but it's completely cold now, cannot be returned to a flame. So those three are definite no's. Nothing to talk about. Placing a, a, a non-fully cooked pot of food on a flame, whether it's covered or not covered, is completely awesome. Placing a fully cooked food on a flame which is not covered is completely awesome. And placing food which is completely 
cool down, even though it's been fully cooked once before, but now it's cool, even after a covered flame, it's also Midrabonah. So those three are those. Those three rules are those. There's nothing to discuss. There's no room for leniency there at all. Once you, you've passed those three, you have food which has been cooked. It's still hot. And you have a flame which is covered. And here Chazad gave a few more conditions before one can return a pot to the fire. And as we all know that the conditions are one's not allowed to take the pot up and place it down on another surface without leaving go. That means it's got to remain oidoi biyodoi. The pot has to remain still in the hand. Now remain still in the hand means it's got to either be supported by the hand and according to some poskim at least held by the hand even if it's not being supported if you have not left your hand off that pot your hand is still holding that pot it hasn't left at all that's the first condition it's got to be oidoi biyodoi. Second condition is you took it off with the intention to replace it. So if you have those five conditions it's fully cooked you have a, a, a stove, a fire which is covered. The food hasn't cooled down. It is still in your hand and you took it up with the intention to return it, then you can replace it on the flame. Nothing to worry about. You can take your food out, put the lid back on and put it back on the flame without any worries. So that's the, the simple form, the simple situation where Hazor is completely mutter without any strings attached. So you can put the saucepan down as long as you're holding it. Ideally, if you can support it, so it's not completely down, that would be better. But if you can't, then as long as you're holding it, that's fine. Chas v'shalom, an open flame, never. Only on the left. Again, fully cooked food. Food which hasn't cooled down yet. And a flame which is covered. Those are the first three must. They have to be without those. Chazari doesn't start. Once you've got those three, then, if you took it up with the intention to replace it, and you haven't quite left gathered, then Chazor is completely mutter. Question starts, and the, the next stage down is when you can't fulfill all those requirements. So, if you took a, a pot off the stove, and you placed it on the side, you intended to return it, you intended to return the pot to the stove, you have no intention of leaving it off, you want to take some chalons out for your little child, or you wanted to have some chalons Friday night yourself, Whatever the, uh, whatever the situation may be, you took it off the, off the pot, off the stove, you placed it on the side by mistake, but you intended to return it. Once you've done that, with the ever you can still replace it on the stove. Because as long as you have one of the two conditions of either your intention to return, or it was you can be the ever returning. You mustn't have to take it off with the, with the intention to return it and intend to place it down, that's, that's, that's not allowed, but if you did it, with the effort you can return it. Or, if you took the pot off without an intention to return, and then you suddenly change your mind and say, you know what, I don't find this in trouble now, we'll have it in an hour's time, with the effort, you can put it back again. So, you, again, there you have still the oida biyodai, you haven't got the dice to you have the oida biyodai, with the effort, you can still return. In dire straits, You, the chatzchel, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be put, you shouldn't put it back. So even if you want to allow yourself to leave it in a, in a slow cooker without a blech, you want to be same on those shitters who say that you can leave it in a slow cooker without a blech, but to return, that's much harder. You should cover, well, I, I don't know what slow cooker you have. Is it a slow cooker which has heat coming out the side? Depends where the source of heat is, yeah. It has to cover the heat on it. So, 
conditions are Lachatchila, three are no gray areas, red light, two, we'll call them orange light, two are necessary Lachatchila, but with Yavid, one of the two is okay. If you didn't have either of the two, you never had Dashi Lachatchila, or you didn't have, and you didn't have Oydabiyadoy, then in dire straits, you can still return it to the so that's only Bishat Atrach, if you have no other food for the Shabbos, or whatever it may be, uh, Bishat Atrach, you can still return it to the plane. So those are the levels of Chazorah. If you took your Patach on a Friday. If you took your Patach on a Friday, just before Shabbos, with intention to put it back, and it was, and it was still in your hand, you hadn't put it down, and then Shabbos came in, I don't know, something happened, you ran around holding your Shalom pot. And ten minutes later you, and ten minutes later you remember, oh dear, I'm holding my son, but I better put it back. If you fulfilled all five conditions, you can put it back. If you fulfill only four of the five, that means one of the either of the other, or Daisel Hakti. That means you took it off on the Friday, you placed it on the side, which is probably a more, more, a more realistic situation. You took it off on Friday, you placed it on the side, with intention to put your black on, and you put your black on, and then something went wrong, and you ran out of the room, and you came back and it was already Shabbos. Could be ever, you can replace it. If, however, you took a pot off on Friday, before Shabbos, and you took it on, put it on the side, with no intention to return it, and it wasn't either Biyadre, then you cannot return it. Even Bishas Atrat, you cannot return it. So, no, no, no. I said the f- no, no, again. Let's start again. We'll start all over again. Again. No, no, I'll start all over again. Take it off on Shabbos. I'm putting it back on Shabbos, then, you really need all five, with the others, the first three are no goes, with the others with one of the last two, either the other or Daitel Hatsi, none of the last two is Rishat Atchati's Mutter. However, on a Friday to Shabbos, that's much more strict. First three are necessary, with the last two, with either the others and Daitel Hatsi, that's okay. With one of the two, with the others, you can return it, but without any of the two, you cannot return it at all. Even though on Shabbos you can return it to Shabbos, on a Friday to Shabbos you can't return it. Are we clear? Friday Shabbos is that little bit more strict. It's less, it's scenario is, is less usual, but that can happen, but it's, it's that little bit more strict. The, the, the halakha of Chazor, as long as it's not completely cooled down. Uh, it's, it's, well, the person say that if it's still warm enough that you'll be comfortable to eat it. So that's, that's quite quite cool. It, it could be, but, the, but then it's just, uh, that's cold. It's probably a food that, that when you want to eat it hot, you'd eat it warm. A certain warmth that you'll still eat it when it's warm. But it doesn't have to be hot. It's got to have a certain warmth to it. Um, most foods that we have, though, are foods with... Um, with liquid in it, except for something like a kugel or something like that. But most foods are tolerant and uh, that all roast chicken has to have liquid in it. Most, uh, if it's got the juice in it, you would consider. If it's a dry roast, which I know all the juice is burnt out, and uh, then that would be uh, that would be uh, that would be dry. <laughs> but that's the stomach variety. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we'll go. I'll discuss that in a minute. We'll discuss that in a minute. Shabbat would be, if you can't get the rough quick enough to ask, um, if you really have no food for the Shabbos or something like that. Maybe. 
Maybe uh, you'd have to ask at the time. Shachatrak is a scenario which is difficult to. Uh, to you should. We should. Uh, if you can ask, once about. It'll take the food a long time to cool down to the level that the uh, the the as many are on him in every street corner. There's no shortage of them. What would happen if a person placed, this is a practical uh, shadow which comes up, a person placed the pot on the flame, on the black, etc., on Shabbos, and an hour after Shabbos you come down to the kitchen and you have a look and you see that the flame's gone out. The flame's gone out and either you have another flame burning or you have a hot plate or a slow cooker which is on, whatever it may be, or you put it more likely put it on your, your hot plate and the hot plate goes off, can you then move it onto your black on Shabbos? Would that be permitted? Would that be, would that be, would that go, go against the problem of Chazor? And here again, you do really have most of the conditions that would allow you to do Chazor. And here the Pasim are very makeable and say if you place it on with intention, with intention to leave on a flame, and the flame went out, that's not called no intention to return, that's called intending to leave on a flame. And even though it's not beyond that you actually place it on a flame, the flame's gone out, that, uh, that fulfills the conditions that allows you to take it off and place it on another hot plate or another bless as long as the food is still hot or warm. You mustn't turn anything off in Shabbos, Mrs. Graydon. Please. Oh, a uh, uh, you can turn off. Yes, please. Phew. You gave me worried, Mrs. Graydon. <laughs> As long as the food is hot and it hasn't cooled down. Yeah. And even if this happened on an air Shabbos, to a Shabbos, and the gas went out before Shabbos came in, again, the Paschim are making, you can take it off and place it on onto your blech. Uh, another interesting halach, which is important to know, though it's nothing to do with Hazor, one can, you start a halach of place the blech on, on Shabbos. So if you had a hot plate, for instance, which went off, and you had one gas on for an urn or something, you can then take a blech if you have one and place it on a Shabbos and then do your Chazor. There's no issue to put a blech on as long as it's not a brand new blech. There's no issue to put a blech on on top of a flame on Shabbos. So, uh, uh, why should it be muksa? No, the blech is not muksa, no. Because if you're allowed to put it on take it off on Shabbos then it's not muksa. Because well, uh, the new one's a problem of... So probably nowadays you can put a new one on. I don't know how metal works works but uh, in the old days it used to, um, it used to harden the, the metal. And, uh, and that's, the, that's the problem of, of Bishop taking mono, etc. But if you have a blessed can place, or even not a blessed, if you have one of these uh, uh, aluminium, aluminium, uh, what do you call them? Not diffuser, an aluminium um, tray, that's right, diffuser's a bit too, uh, bit too, bit too sophisticated. Uh, an aluminium uh, disposable tray, you can put that on and put your, put your pot inside, that will be absolutely fine. Another common situation is somebody took a, a Friday night, came to the blech, took off the blech their soup, put it down on the side, and opened up the lid and realized that they're taking off the challenge and not the soup. What does one do? Now, this is a very common problem. It happens quite often, especially on, on the, the, you know, the housewife is tired and comes in on a Friday night, gets the wrong pot, and if you have two identical pots, husband's tired, gets to take the wrong pot off, more, more likely. Here again, there's a children of Moshe Feinstein. Here again, the pot from Omekel. And he allowed her, as long as it hasn't cooled down, to take that pot and put it back on the flame, and t- well, not on the flame, on the blech, and take off the right pot. So there's quite a lot of room for maneuver when it comes to the Issa Chazor. If one sticks to the 
rules, the, the five rules, and the three red rules, and the two orange rules, then you really have uh, no problem. There is a, a tremendous amount of room to maneuver. Before we move on, I'll stop here. Before we move on, just one more halakha, which is important. Placing a black on a flame on Friday. Right? Now, you can have a big black, a big uh, stove. You put the black on it. You can either have one, one flame on, two flames on, wherever it may be. Not every area of the black will be burning hot. You will have the, the, exactly on top of the, of the flame, which is completely hot. You will have the surrounding areas of the flame which is still Yad Seletis Boyd. That means that if you place a pot of food there, it would reach the level of Yad Seletis Boyd. Then you have the extremities, you have the edges of the blech, which really is not really Yad Seletis Boyd. So which area do we consider on the flame? Which area do we consider off the flame? Now here there's a difference between the halachas of Shehir and the halachas of Chazorah. So if you would take a pot on a Friday and place it on the areas of the blech, which is not Yad Seletis Boyd, that would be considered not on a flame. You would then be, it would be awesome for you to then take it and push it on the flame of Shabbos. Because you're taking from a non-flame area and putting it onto a flame area. And this is something one has to be very careful. If you have one light with three pots, the chances are very high that your one or two of those pots are going to be out of the range of the flame. And then later on when you've removed one or two pots and you want to put the other pot back on the fire, you could really be over an Issa of Hazorah on Shabbos. So one has to be very careful with that. A pot which is placed on the area of the black, which is not Yad Seletis boy, it's considered off the flame. Any pot which is placed on the air which is Yad Seletis boy, and of course directly on top of the flame, that's considered on the flame, and that's fine, there's no problem. If you place it on the flame on Shabbat, or on an air which is Yad Seletis boy, and then because it was beginning to burn, you moved it to the edge, to an air which is not Yad Seletis boy, here Moshe Feinstein has a trooper where he's very, very makeful, and he says that since you place it on the flame, with intention to cook. And you moved it not with the intention to take it off the flame, just to diminish some of the heat. That's not called taking off the flame. And you can move it to an area of the black which is not yet to let it boil. Only if you do this on Shabbos, not before Shabbos, only on Shabbos, you take it off the area of the flame, place it on the part of the black which is not yet to let it boil. And then comes an hour before the meal, you want to make sure that it's piping hot again, you can move it back onto the area which is hot, and there's no problem of Khazara there. You've fulfilled all the conditions of Khazara. Is that new? Okay. So an electric, an electric hot plate, you can move around anywhere. Yeah, that's fine. An electric hot plate is fine because it's hot, so you can move. Now, an electric hot plate, a, a hot plate which has no knob, as we mentioned in the previous year, it's got the halach of kashagrova. It's not considered real heat. A hot plate which can only retain the heat of the food, it doesn't cook, it's not considered real heat, and therefore it's kashagrova. Therefore you can leave any pot on it, and you can return if you have all the halachas of Chazar, you can do Chazar onto a hot plate. If you want to be from the Apostle or Machme and say, if you want to return it, you should put the black on, but it's a Chumrah. No, that's the song. Some type of diffuser, right? What's the electric? A hot plate. So then that's like a blech. And put it back on. And then put it back on. Theoretically, but why do that? Because it's, it's not hot enough. I'll have to think about that one. Yeah. With a... On the blech. 
if you place this on Friday before Shabbos on the flame, on the top of the part of the black which is boiling, and then came Friday night and you realized your tunnel was beginning to burn, so you moved it off to the area which is not so hot. Come Shabbos morning, you want to reheat it again, you can move it back onto the flame. That's not called Chazorah, that's called Chazorah which is, which is Mutter. If you place it on the flame before Shabbos, if you put it on Friday in an area which is not boiling hot, which is not Yatsleh's void, then you can't move it onto the flame on Shabbos. And that you have to be careful when you place a, a lot of pots over a single flame on the black, sometimes they are, they're, they're not completely on... Even if it's cooling down, sure. As long as it hasn't cooled down completely, uh, uh, sure. Not completely. Well, uh, hopefully it won't on the black. It'll be difficult to cool down completely. So, uh, an Israeli hot plate, which is very, very hot, it's difficult to know. The Israeli Paschal Mamekel, some people say that you can't cook in them. I don't know. It's really, you know, it's really a woman's department, not a man's. Do you use a hot plate to cook on? Do you not? If it's not used to cook on, then it's not considered heat, which cooks, and therefore you can leave on it and do chazan it, etc. If you do cook on it, which uh, some people do on a, on a yomtev, perhaps put some food on a, on a hot plate early in the morning and allow it to cook, then, you, then it's really a, a, an elaborate slow cooker. And then it will have all the halakhs of a slow cooker. If there's no knobs, again, shihir would be mutter, the chazara would, would need a blech. There's no, many more halakhs which are on the gate of chazara, but that's given us the... the if you want to do Chazor, yeah. It's not really, it's, it's a permanent cover. It's not a, a permanent cover is, is, is not really, we don't take on as a, as a, as a blech. A blech is something which you put on to cover it. There are some more halachas which we'll, we'll, we'll elaborate on in the coming weeks, but that's really given us the basic halachas of Shihir and the basic halachas of Chazor, how to retain, keep a pot on an open fire or a covered fire on, on for Shabbos and how to return a pot to the fire on Shabbos. There are many more halachas which spin up from all these. We will, as we work through the halachas of Bishel, we will come to them. Next week we will continue a little bit with Chazor in two weeks' time with Chazor. We'll move on to Hatmana, which is also a very practical halacha and very, very important for every Shabbos scenario. Just to finish off with a short Dvatea. In the beginning of this week's Sedra, the second passage in this week's Sedra, the prayer commands us to make the last, the final keli, the final vessel in the, in the building of the Mishkan, and that's the Kiyai. Kiyai is placed completely out of place in Pasha's Kisisa. After the first Pasha, which talks about the Shkolim, the collecting the Shkolim, the shekel for each person of Kalisro, the Torah then gives us a commandment to make the Kiyai. And what we need to understand is why did the Torah wait till this week's Sedra to tell us about the Kiyai? Surely the Kiyai should be together with all the other Klea Mishkon, which is in Pasha's Trumo, at least in Pasha's Tzavah, Kisisar has got nothing to do with Klea Mishkon. Why did the Torah wait for Pasha Kisisar to, to tell us the dimensions and the commandment to build a Kiyai? second thing we need to understand is the Kiyai was placed in a very strange position in the Beis Amikdosh, in the Mishkon, the Beis Amikdosh. The Kiyai was placed between the Mizbeach and the oil, between the Mizbeach and the Ulam. So you walked into the Chotka, you would have the Mizbeach, a large Mizbeach, where they brought the Kabonis. And now, according to some shit, there was only a very small, only a few feet, if that, between the Mizbeach and the Ulam. And in between there was tucked this Kiyoi, where every person, every Kayan, every time he did the Avoida, would have to walk right around the Mizbeach, and come to this little Kiyoi, and wash, and then come back and do the Avoida. So why we have need to understand as well is why, what significance is there, what message is there for us, 
in the fact that the key was placed in such a strange, seemingly strange position. The Tarzan Yangasan, in fact, the Kudai tells us, and it's quite simple that the Kia, quite understandable, the Kia represents the level of Tshuva. The purpose of the Kia is to clean, they would go to the Kia and they would wash their hands and legs together, they would place their hands on top of their feet and they would wash their feet with the water of the Kia. Washing always, always represents the cleansing of a person's sins. The Kia represents the Pasha of Tshuva. So there must be a message here in the Pasha of Tshuva, but in the fact that the Kia is mentioned in such a strange place in the Torah, and it was placed in such an interesting place in the Beit HaMikdash, there must be some message here within relevant to the Halachas of Tshuva, which is relevant to us. The first Pasha in, in the Seder is a Pasha of Shalim. And the Pasha of Shalim, interestingly enough, is a shekel for each head, a shekel of Gregelis. And the Torah tells us the shekel is made up of Esrim Geira. Every shekel was made of 20 Geira. 20 Geira is a single shekel. And the Maral explains that the number 20, the number 20 is really two, twice 10. The number 10 we've seen many times. Number 10 means a complete thing. 10 is a complete unit. The number 10 in, in spiritual terms is a complete spiritual unit. Twice 10 means two complete units. And I'm not explaining why two complete units, because every person is made up of two parts. It's made up of the physical part, it's made up of the spiritual part. So to give a shekel, one was giving a shekel, one ten, ten gera was to, to represent the, spiritual, the physical part of the person, and the other ten was the spiritual part. The Rashi tells us in the beginning of the Sedra that the, the Shkolim went either for the Adonim, for the sockets of the Mishkan, or they went for the Kabonis. Regularly, every year, a person gave a shekel which went towards the Kabonis to pay for the Kabonis Tibur. That was a second shekel. The Adonim represents the physical part of the person. The Adonim was something which was outside and the socket was, the boards was slotted into the socket. That's like the goof, the physical goof which has inside it the Neshama. And the Kabonis are there to be Mechapah on a person's Averis, on the sins. That's the Mechapah for the Nefesh. That represents the spiritual side of the person. So the Shkalim the Esrim Geir, the single shekel, which every person in Kaisal gave, represents the two parts of, 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 of a person, the physical and the spiritual. And in order for the physical and the spiritual to be complete, one had to give a shekel. What, what was this shekel for? It went towards the public domain. It went either for the Mishkan, which was the place which united the whole of Kaisal together, or it went for the Kabbalah Shekel, which again united the whole of Kaisal together, and they became a single unit. So the purpose of giving a shekel was to... to bring Christ all together as one through the giving of the shekel which is the both parts of the person the spiritual and the physical part of the person joining together with the heart of Christ all becoming one that is when Christ all are complete when the physical and the spiritual elements of each member of Christ all come together as one together through the Kabbalah Shibu together in the Mishkan which is the area which unites the whole of Christ all that is the purpose of giving the Shkalim and that's when Christ all are at the, the, the perfection, strike 10, completely perfect. The level of a Baal the lesson here is, in order for a Baal to become a complete Baal a Baal can't remain a single person. In order to really f- completely fulfill the obligation of being a Baal somebody who has shown his sins and wants to return back to the fold, he can't remain a single person. He can only return to the fold if he becomes completely Baal completely part of Kralisol. Therefore, the Torah first gives us the Pasha of Shkalim, which tells us the importance of Kralisol being one, and only then gives us the Pasha of the Kiyo, because the Kiyo represents uh, Baal Shuvah, the cleansing of a person from all sins, 
For that, one has to know that the importance of being one, the importance of how to become a member of Kali Shol, by giving the Shalim, by being Mavakal, subjugating both the physical and the spiritual parts of the person to the united to the, the complete Kali Shol, then the person can become a Balshuva. So the Mizbeach, the Kiyah, is mentioned in the Torah after the Pasha Shalim, and it's placed behind the Mizbeach, because the Mizbeach, again, is where all the Kabbalah Sibyl are brought. Mizbeach is the area where Kalisol comes together, and all the Kapala of the single Kalisol is brought on the Mizbeach. So behind the Mizbeach was placed the Kiyah in a very narrow area. Now, to tell us that because to do Tshuva is not easy, you have to push yourself, and behind the Mizbeach, to tell us that if you don't become part of Kalisol, and completely unwrap yourself to Kalisol, you're not going to be able to become a full Balshuva. We find in the Gemara in Tamid, and the Sacred of Tamid, a very interesting yeah, interesting fact, every morning, the first coin to enter into the base of was the coin that used to do, do the Truma Sadeshan. And he would enter through a side door, and he would walk into the base of Migdosh, and the first thing you'd have to do would, would, uh, would find his way to the Kiyo, and it's pretty dark, no lights were lit, he would have to find his way to the Kiyo to watch, and then go up the Mizbech and to remove the, the ashes from the remain, from the, 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 that which remained from the burning of the Kabonis on the previous night. Now the Mishnah tells us there that this Kayan wouldn't come into the Beit HaMikdash with any lamp in his hand. He would have to walk by the fire of the Marocha, by the fire of the Mizbeach. The only light that he was allowed to use to direct him to the Kiyah was the light of the Marocha, the light of the Mizbeach, and that would show him the way to the Kiyah. He would then wash his hands and then make his way back up and do the Trumas Adeshim. And the Swarans say the message there is the same message. A man who's coming in in the morning, the first thing he's doing is washing his hands, doing shuva, he can't come by his own light. He can only come by the light of the whole of Kalishol. But coming to the whole of Kalishol, being part of the whole of Kalishol, only then can you reach the level of true shuva. Can you actually rinse yourself and cleanse yourself from your, from your sins, and then go back and start your avoida of the Truma Sadeshan. So he wasn't allowed to come in b'neer shabayoda. He had to come in with a ner, with the light of Marok, or the light of Mizveh, which is the the, the part of the, of, of the Beit HaMikdash which represents the whole of Kali Sol. One more little remnant to this, we find, if you look in the, uh, in the, the Kateris, in the Salomon, in those 11 ingredients which made up the Kateris. And the Gemara tells us why 11. We know that 11 really represents beyond the spiritual, which is really something which is outside of the realm of the spiritual, it represents the physical. There's 11 Arurim, 11, 11 Arurim, 11 curses in the Torah. 11 is really beyond the spiritual. You've moved out of the range of the spirituality. you moved into something which is the opposite of spirituality. That's the number 11. Yet the Kateris was made up of number 11. And the Gemara tells us that Kateris had one ingredient which was really a negative. didn't have a nice smell. The, 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 um, the Chavana was one ingredient which was really a negative ingredient. It wasn't really nice. But why did the Torah ask us to put the Chavana in? Because that represents the Rishon of Kavisrol. And if the Rishon of Kavisrol join together with the rest of the Kateris, they are accepted. So the 11 of the Kateris is not really 11, it's really 10. The number 11, the Rishon, the Chavana, if they join together and become part of the 10, then they can be fully accepted back into Kavisrol. And that's the message here of the Kiyo. And that's really the message of Shabbos, as we mentioned many, many, many times. Shabbos is the Yom HaEchod, Shabbos is the day of one. After Echod, Veshimcha Echod, Amika Amcha Yisrael, Goy Echod Boris, we said every Shabbos, Kalishvot is one, your name is one, and the, the, the only nation which is one is Kalishvot. Through the power of Shabbos, one can reach this level of oneness, at the level where all of us, even those who Chashon have sinned, can return back within the fold, and can reconnect and join the singleness of Kalishvot, and do complete Shuvah, and be accepted and reconnect to Kalishvot. That's the message of the Kiyo, and that's the importance of learning Hilfah Shabbos, as we mention every, every time, to one learns Allah for Shabbos and keeps Shabbos properly, 
one really reaches the levels that one can't reach without it. And that's the message here, and that's why we learn halachas. And because we should be zeichet to the, the time when we will all be together as one, and the time when Akash will reveal his name, but be it our girls and heavy, amen, amen.